This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. But what we want to talk about is miraculous power, united. And there's significance to understanding this whole concept about what unity and harmony does. And you can trace the miracles in the Bible has to do with there's people who are united. They, they are in agreement and things happen. That's where God's miraculous power is often released. But there's an old song that we have sang before, but let me read you the words to it before we get into the scriptures. And it goes like this. We are his hands. Now think about that for a moment. Have y'all familiar with that song at all? We are his hands, we are his feet. You know, anyhow, hands. There's, there's bones there and muscles and tendons and ligaments and fingers, you know. And it's amazing that they all work together. Isn't that amazing? I mean, you can catch a football, pass it, you know. You can do all kinds of things, you know, because they work in, in harmony. What if the fingers didn't work together? And you had to pick up your Bible with your elbows and, you know, try to turn the pages with your elbow. Uh, it'd be kind of tough. But, you know, all these things are united and they're working together. You see the guys and gals playing keyboards and guitars and drums and, and all these things. And it's just like they're, they're all united. They're, they're in one accord, you know. And the song is declaring that, you know, we are his hands. We are his feet, you know. And I don't know if you know, but you can just be missing your big toe and it throws your balance all out of whack, you know. It really does. It's just like, but we are God's hands. That's what the song is saying. I just want to clarify what this was saying. We are his hands. We are his feet. We are his people, children of the Lord. We share the hope, the confident expectation for the future. We share the, the dream, believers in, in Jesus, children of the King. His spirit, his Holy Spirit lives within us, flowing like a river, filling us with his strength so that we can reach out for our brothers, help one another. We are his hands. We are his feet. We're his people, children of the Lord. We share the hope. We share the dream. Believers of Jesus, children of the King. Some of us build. Some are teachers. And some can sing like angels. Everybody, you know, can't build. Everybody can't teach. Everybody can't sing like an angel. But the, the next verse in the song says, but all of us can love. And love is what binds us together. And, and love is what unifies us. And love, uh, even faith, the most powerful thing that moves mountains. The Bible says faith works by Faith comes by hearing, but faith works by love. It comes by us hearing, but the Bible says it's like, Car works by gas. Some trucks work by diesel. But faith works by what? Love. That's what the scripture tells us. Anyhow, it says, but all of us can love like he does. We can love like he does, pure and simple, so warm and gentle. We are his hands. Uh, we are his feet. We are his people, children of the Lord. We share the hope. We share the dream, believers in Jesus, children of the King. Hands and feet, we are the body of Christ, united. A body works best when it's united and not dissected. And we are the body of Christ, united. Anyhow, here's a verse you've probably heard me say hundreds of times in the past year. And up, up on the mountain all the time. 
when we go up there to pray, Susan and I, it's in Matthew chapter 18, verse 19, but let me read it to you out of the Amplified Bible. Now, I like the Amplified. Amplified is an old translation of the Bible, but what it has done, words that you would not necessarily understand or know, it incorporates a definition into the verse so you can understand it. When it talks about he who believes, it have parentheses, you know, he who believes, cleaves to, adheres to, trusts in, relies on. It incorporates a definition into that. And it says here in Matthew 18, 19 in the Amplified Bible, it says, again, I tell you. Now, what's again mean? He already did this one time somewhere else or, or maybe more than one time. This is not the first time he's getting this point to us. Again, I tell you, and this is Jesus talking. He says, again, I'm telling you, if, this is conditional, if you do, something happens. If you don't, something don't happen. Again, I tell you, if two, two of you, and and, and two, uh, you, 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 you got to get united, you, you you know, there's this agreement thing. He says, again, I tell you, if two of you on earth. Now, I wonder why he said that. How many of you guys are from earth? Those of you who did not raise your hand, you concern me. Where did you park your little spaceship at, you know? But he says, if two of you on earth agree. And see, that's one of the difficult things to do on earth is to get people in agreement. You know, they're going to choose a team. I'm going to choose another team. They're going to choose, you know, chocolate. I'm going to choose vanilla. I mean, there's a a divisiveness as a spirit. The enemy of our soul is trying to divide and bring about confusion. And it is a fantastic, wonderful thing when you see people get in agreement. And this right here has a phenomenal impact on us getting in agreement. It really does, because we read it and we begin to think the same way that he's teaching us and understanding principles and, and lessons and, and, and all. We learn it and we're studying the same book. We begin to get in agreement. But he says here, again, Jesus is talking. I tell you, if two of you on earth agree harmonize together. And when he he uses this word to harmonize, he's talking about to to match. You know, to complement one another. Whether you're a band and and you're you're in harmony and you're complementing one another or you're playing on some kind of a team and you're complementing one another. You're, You're covering for each other and as a team you're making things happen. But he says here, again, I tell you, if two of you on earth agree, you harmonize together, together make a symphony. This is the Amplified Bible. It's telling you what the word agreement means. Together you make a symphony. Together you make a masterpiece is what he's talking about here. Together you make a masterpiece about... Well, what percentage is anything? And everything. What percentage is everything? Jesus says, and again, I tell you, if two of you, he didn't say one, he said two of you on earth agree, you harmonize together, together you you make a symphony. If two of you agree on anything and everything, and I'm going to tell you, harmony, it brings the anointing of Almighty God. We'll talk about that a little bit later on in other service as we continue in this. But harmony brings the anointing of Almighty God in your life like nothing else can do. That's why the devil fights us. So we won't be in agreement. We won't be in harmony together. So the devil can bring division. 
I'm going to read it one more time. But Jesus said, again, I tell you, if two of you on earth agree, harmonize together, together make a symphony about anything and everything, whatever. Now, when you say the word whatever, it's the same as saying all, you know, whatever you want to eat, you know, whatever you want to do, all the things you want to eat, all the things you want. I mean, whatever, whatever you want. Whatever. This is a 100% word right here. And he says here, again, I tell you, if two of you on earth agree together, together make a, uh, harmonize together, together make a symphony about anything and everything, whatever they shall ask. Whatever. That's 100%. Whatever they shall ask, this is Jesus talking, it will come to pass. And be done for them by my Father in heaven. That's pretty miraculous, don't you think? When the Son of Almighty God says, you guys get in agreement. And this book is what will bring you all in agreement quicker than anything else. You, 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 together you make a symphony. You harmonize together. You, you, you're in one accord together, and he says, in everything and, and, and anything and, and whatever you shall ask, it will. Do you know what the word will there means? That's a powerful word. It's like, well, if they ask, it might happen. No, the word will means like, if you ask for this, if I don't have it in stock, I'm going to make you one on the spot. That's what it means. It's a powerful word. He says, whatever they shall ask, it will come to pass and it will be done for them by Jesus, by my Father in heaven. Now, you know, I don't know if you believe that or not, but I believe it. Dear, do you believe that? That's why we climb up on the mountain every Sunday morning. We start up in that direction around 5 o'clock in the morning. We go over some pretty treacherous terrain to get there to join men and women who want to pray and who believe. And we get in agreement. And God answers lots and lots and lots of prayers. And he says, whatever they shall ask, it will come to pass and be done for them of my Father when men and women are in agreement. When they pray in their agreement. Here is the miraculous power is genuinely released when we are united. We're in agreement, harmony, a symphony. There is miracle power available to us. You will experience the miraculous power. If you want it. Some people probably don't want it, but I want it myself, you know. What happens... When two eyes do not agree. Well, my wife, she had two detached retinas just years ago, one at a time, and they actually pulled her eyeballs out. They put this buckle around it. They did all this work on it and stuck it back in. Am I telling you the truth? And she sang through the process, through the operation. She sang through it. And the doctor said, okay, you can sing, but you can't move, you know. It's all right? And anyhow, when her eyes were healing up and all, <clears throat> and one of those, one of her eyes was looking over that way, and the other one was looking this way. How would you like that? No, because it gives you double vision. Is that what happened to you? You actually see better out of one eye because it just sees things pretty clear. But when you put in that vision and this vision, it's like you're seeing two things. They're kind of mixing it up and, and there's a little bit of a confusion going on there. And about a month after the surgery, we was hoping that things would clear up and all. It was one night around 12 o'clock at night <clears throat> and she was in the bathroom there. And we was discussing the whole process, and I just said, stay right there. And I went up there, two of my finger, and I walked, and I said, you just watch my finger. 
and went right straight toward her nose, and then I backed up like that. What happened? Her eyes came together, just like that, and she's been seeing straight ever since. Now, I know, we know, God works miracles. Hundreds of miracles we have seen in our lifetime and experienced many of them our own selves. But I'll tell you, it is better when two eyes get in agreement with each other, isn't it? And it's more powerful when two men or women get in agreement together. And the enemy of our soul is always trying to divide us. Well, you like that? Well, I don't like that. You know, it's just always trying, the enemy of our soul is always trying to bring about division. That's what he tries to do. Now, the power of one, if fearless and focused, is amazing. The power of one. But the power of many working together as one is so much more amazing. It is so much more amazing and so much more powerful when you get two or three or four or five or six in agreement. There's God's power is released in greater ways. It's wonderful, the power of one. One person can do a lot for Jesus. But when you start multiplying that power together, it is so much more amazing. Now, Susan and I and my son and his wife, we were flying to Baton Rouge, Louisiana back in 2001 on September the 11th. I don't know if you remember that day or not, but we were in an airplane when it all happened. And as we flew from Bradley and we flew through New York, one of the towers out our window, if you were to peer out there, you could see one of them was smoking and it was on fire. One of them had already been hit by a plane. That's where we were at. And we had been fasting for some crazy reason. We didn't know why. We'd just been praying. We were still praying together on the plane. We were reading some things and we were praying together, you know. And uh, then as soon as that became, we became aware of this, the pilot came on the intercom and he says, all the airplanes in the United States have been grounded. And I just woke everybody up. All of them have been grounded. What is going on? Because we didn't understand what the smoke from that tower meant. And there were, uh, we're going to a, a conference. And there was another f- pastor back behind us who was the one who pointed out that one of the uh, towers was smoking and it was on fire. Anyhow, there was an article in the September 19th edition of the Washington Times entitled Aboard Flight 564. And it reads, as it was at most U.S. airports last Saturday was the first near normal day at Denver International Airport since the terrorist attack. On United Flight 564, the door had just been locked and the plane was about to pull out of the gate. That was on Saturday, right? And we had... When we were socked down, grounded there, we rented a, a car after a lot of to do, and we drove the rest of the way down uh, to Louisiana to the conference. And the conference was over, and on Friday morning, we were on the first flight that they allowed the airplanes to fly again. That was on Friday. This happened here on Saturday. On United Flight 564, the door had just been locked and the plane was about to pull out of the gate when the captain came on the public address system and he said, I want to thank you, you brave folks, for coming out today. We don't have any new information, any new instructions from the federal government, so from now on, we're on our own. The passengers listened in total silence. He explained that airport measures had pretty much solved the problem of firearms being carried aboard airplanes, but not weapons of the type the terrorists apparently had used, plastic knives or those fashioned from wood or from ceramic, things that wouldn't show up in a metal detector. 
He said, sometimes a potential hijacker will announce that he has a bomb. The captain says, there are no bombs on this aircraft. And if someone were to get up and make that claim, don't believe them. If someone were to stand up and brandish something such as a plastic knife and say, this is a hijacking or words to that effect, here is what you should do. Every one of you should stand up and immediately throw things at that person. Pillows, books, magazines, eyeglasses, shoes, anything that will throw him off balance and distract his attention. If he has an accomplice or two, do the same with them. Most important, get a blanket over him, then wrestle him to the floor and keep him there and we'll land the plane at the nearest airport and the authorities will take it from there. Remember, there will be one of him Maybe a few accomplices, but there are 200 of you. Does that seem to make a difference? There's one, maybe, maybe three of him, and there are 200 of you. And you can overwhelm them. The Declaration of Independence says, We, the people. And that's just what it is when we're up here in the air. We, the people, versus would-be terrorists. I don't think we're going to have any such problem today, the captain said, or tomorrow, or for a while, but sometime down the road, it is going to happen again, and I want you to know what to do. Now, since we're a family, said the captain, for the next few hours, I'll ask you to turn to the person next to you, introduce yourself, tell them a little about yourself, and ask them to do the same. The end of this remarkable speech brought sustained clapping from the passengers. He had put the matter in perspective. If only the passengers on those ill-fated Flights last Tuesday, 9-11, had been given the same talk. I thought they might be alive today. After I read this, I began to think about the pilot's last words about being a family and how a crisis seems to bring out the family in us. And in the event of a disaster, we would do whatever it takes to save people's lives united 200 people united would overpower and take control if a terrorist tried to take control of a plane does that make sense I believe in unity I believe in us all working together as a team and even in difficult times well Jesus goes on to say in John chapter 15 verse 5 Jesus says, yes, I am the vine. Now, I have a grapevine at home, and uh, there's it's about three of them, and they're down in the ground about that big around, and I wanted to bring it, but I didn't want to destroy the grapevine, okay? Jesus said, I am the vine, and you are the branch. What is, what is chiz? You're saying chiz? I'm saying brains? As I told you, I didn't want to destroy my grapevine, but I was willing to cut off some branches for the object lesson. I put them in water last night. Someone told me I might can get them to root again. So we'll try it. But here are three, three main branches, and they get all these other little ones that are coming off. And if you'll look very closely, there's places like this that there's just dozens and dozens of little beady grapes 
already forming on the grapevine. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the the branch. Branches. Branches. There's many of us. There's only one vine, and his name be Jesus, but we are all a branch, and, and branches grow, and, and, and branches produce fruit. And that's, that's awesome that they have the capacity to do that. Let me read it again. It says, yes, I am the vine, Jesus. Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. <laughs> Your believers are the branches. That's what he's talking about here. And United and in agreement with the vine. Up until I clipped this one last night before the service, it was in agreement with the vine. I made the sacrifice for the last son. But they were in agreement. There's tons and tons of other branches that are in agreement with the vine. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. You know, and, and the branches, look at them. They're in agreement with each other. Here's a branch, and that branch is connected to that, and that one's there. And, and if you were to follow this on down, it was connected to the vine. And there's, there's, there's power when the branches are connected together, and then all of them are connected to the vine. Hey. I have a dog and I work on him with this. Stay. Okay. All right. So grapevines are phenomenal plants. In Hampton Court near London, there's a grapevine which is about a thousand years old. Pretty cool. This grapevine has one root which is at least two feet thick. And some of the branches are 200 foot long. And it still produces several tons of grapes each year. Even though some of the smaller branches are 200 feet from the main trunk, they still bear fruit because they are connected to the vine. You know, that was Jesus' point when he said he is the vine and, and we are the branches. That was his point, you know. No connection. If, if, if I cannot possibly reconnect this back to the vine, what's going to happen to this? It's going to die. Because it's no longer connected to the vine. And... Therefore, it's not going to produce any fruit, you know. Can I go grab something for just a moment? Sure. Okay, thank you. I appreciate it. All all I need is just one person to say yes. morning. (laughs) 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 This is James's bicycle. We've, we, we discovered it used many, 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 many years ago. And it's an awesome bicycle. These things right here are spokes. How important are spokes on a bicycle tire? Couldn't we just take them off and Bind them all together and they would do a good job. 
they are connected together the way they're supposed to be. And it makes for a tremendously strong bicycle wheel. All of them working together and you got this tire that's got all these knobs on. They're working together, going in the same direction to pull. These knobs are a little bit different direction. They're working together for better steering control. And then you got all these, the sprocket. You see all those little teeth on the sprocket? They're all the same distance apart. And they're working together. And there's another sprocket behind it. All those little teeth back there working together. And then there's another one even further back. And they're all working together. And then you got this chain right here. And each link of the chain has got one, two, three, four, four pieces for one link. And then two little, uh, what's those little things? It's kind of like a screw. It's kind of like an axle. But it holds it all together. All those little bitty parts are connected just the right way. And you can get on this thing and ride and you can climb and you can forge streams with it and you can go uphill with it and you can go mountain biking with it and it's just amazing then you get all the cables and and the way they're all connected just the way they ought to be and it will serve you and when when, when this chain is working properly and these spokes are, are tensioned just right and they're all working together there is power release in this bicycle and you can go where man has never gone before you know and I'm going to sit right here sort of stand up you don't have a kickstand on it because the kickstand weighs more than the whole bicycle does you know but I want you to think about this for a moment hmm Jesus said yes I'm the vine and, and you are the branches you know and if the vine is not connected, the branches are not connected to the vine, nothing happens. And if all these little spokes are not connected, there's no progress. If you just got all those pieces in a, a box somewhere, it might look pretty cool, but there's no progress can be made. It's just worthless. But when they're all connected, I'm going to tell you something. The miraculous power of Almighty God is released in us when we're all connected. We are united the way God created us to be. So he says here in John 15, 5, yes, I am the vine. Jesus says that. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. And those branches who remain in me connected to the vine and those branches who remain in me you're connected to the vine, but you're connected to the other branches as well. And like you're, all the spokes are connected uh, together to the rim. Uh, when everything is connected and, and united together, that's what he's talking about here. Those who remain in me and, and I remain in them will produce what? Not just fruit, but much fruit. And there's a difference between much fruit and fruit. There's a big difference. Those who remain in me and I in them, we're all connected, we're united, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, when you're disconnected from me, you can do nothing. If you're disconnected, you can do nothing but wilt and, and be lifeless and eventually just be thrown into the campfire because you're disconnected. That's what Jesus is saying. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You become a lifeless branch. See, miraculous power... It flows when we are connected to the vine. And we're, we're connected to the other branches. Miraculous power flows. Now as a native from a 
remote mountain village and don't think I'm picking on natives or Indians and uh, I've, I've already had to deal with that when we did our little Indian theme, you know, when we had the brave and the teepees and people come against me. What they didn't know is I am part Indian. Now, my mom was in the service last night and my sister and my wife, and I asked them, well, my mom is not here and my sister is helping in Super Church, but am I Indian? And from your background, your dad's side, do you have Indian in you? So we're not making fun of Finnians because I is one. That's probably why I like bow and arrows so much, you know. And I also like knives, you know, pretty cool. I ain't never scalped nobody, though, just so you know that, okay? I ain't never done that. But anyhow, a native from a remote mountain village who had the opportunity to visit a large modern city for the first time. He couldn't bring much home with him, and he had a little money. But he was amazed at the electric lights, which he saw everywhere. So he bought a sack full of electric light bulbs and sockets uh, with switches. And arriving at home, he hung the light bulbs in front of his home and on his and his neighbor's trees and everyone watched him with curiosity and asked him what he was doing but he just smiled and he said just wait until dark you'll see and when nighttime came he flipped the switches but nothing happened no one had ever explained the importance of being connected to electricity he thought they could produce on their own. Which we know that just don't work that way. And there are people in this day and time who think that they can produce on their own. And it just don't produce very much anything when they are not connected. You know, branches must be connected to the vine and, and light bulbs must be connected you know, through those sockets and those switches, they must be connected to electricity in order for them to produce this wonderful light that we all so much enjoy. You got to be connected. If anything significant is going to happen in your life, you got to be connected. Question, are you connected to the vine? Are you connected to other branches? Where the Bible says, if two of you on this earth agree, you're connected. You know, whatever you ask for, it's going to be done in my Father in heaven. That's what Jesus told us. Are you drawing that life sap from the vine that produces life throughout the branches and produces leaves and produces wonderful grapes, much fruit? <laughs> you know, well, Jesus goes on to say in, in Matthew uh, 15, verse 7, he says, but if you stay... Not just you just get connected for a moment and then you're disconnected. But he says, if you stay joined to me, you stay connected to me and my words, and my, my words remain in you, uh, my words, and I don't know if, if you understand, there's, there's a couple of words that mean word. When you read W-O-R-D in the Bible, it might be talking about logos, it's black, red and black ink on white paper, and, and, and this is logos. It's just a book, you know? It's, it's logos. But there's another word for this as well, and it's called rhema. And it's when a man or woman reads it and studies it and chews on it and meditates on it. Boom, ooh, the light goes on, and it becomes living. It becomes, that was the, the uh, Greek word there, it becomes rhema. It's alive and it's powerful. And that's what Jesus says. If you stay joined to me and my words, my living word remain in you. My word is connected to you. We're seeing this same concept again. You may ask, what's it say? Any request. He didn't say, well, you can ask for something to eat. Or he didn't say, well, you can ask for something to wear. 
Or he didn't say, well, then you can ask for someone uh, to marry one day. Or, or you can ask for a place. He said, any request you like, it will be granted. It will be approved. Jesus said that. If you're connected to him and you are in agreement with all the other branches and you're in agreement with his word that brings great unity amongst us all, he, Jesus, said, you may ask any request you like and it will be granted. See, the power of being connected with God and with each other, it brings amazing results. Now, some people says, well, that just sounds too good to be true. I'm going to tell you, it is true. See that guy who lived in the uh, primitive realm, he brought light, but he loved the light, bu- light bulbs. But he just didn't know how to get them connected. And so he could be just, oh, they don't work. Yeah, I thought it was going just, to, they just don't work. But he was missing the electrical connection. And he could have bought a little generator. He could have brought a solar panel and generated some electricity that way. And he could have done all those things. He just didn't understand it. Do you understand us being united together, all components, united, accesses tremendous power. You can ride for thousands of miles on a bicycle instead of walking. You can do that. You can win races with it. There's all kinds. Once you understand all those components being connected together, being united together, you can access them Pretty amazing power there. So, let me look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. It says, so let the words, see, you you have the power to let this happen or not to let it happen. It's going to be your choice, you see. He says, let the, the words, and he's talking about, let the living words. You, you take that logos and you read it and you study it and you meditate on it and you chew on it and you apply it. He's saying, let the words, let the words of Christ and all their richness, and, and these words are rich. They are rich. I mean, it's better, I don't know if you had a piece of chewing gum and you was chewing that piece of chewing gum, but it, it, it's just flavor, never gave up. It just, it just sustained this wonderful flavor and you just kept on chewing on it because it was rich in flavor and you chewed it all day. It was just rich in flavor. This is better than a good piece of chewing gum, let me tell you. It is rich in life. It is rich and miraculous power. And he says here, let the words of Christ and all of their richness live in your hearts. And you get this in your hearts by getting it in your eyes and getting it in your ears and your head and it coming down here and getting into your heart, you see. He says here, let the words of Christ and all their richness live in your hearts and make you wise and and use his words to teach and counsel each other and the advice that almighty God gives in his fantastic book. It just don't get no better advice than that. And then he says, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And there's a whole lesson about being thankful. That accesses the miraculous power of God as well. And it says in verse 17, and whatever you do or say, let it be as a representative of the Lord Jesus. Are are, are these branches representing the vine? If, If you go walking around in the woods and you see, oh, there's a grapevine. No, there's great branches. There's grapes hanging from the branches. You know you can follow that thing and you're going to find a vine there somewhere. Are you and I, are we representing the vine? Are you and I representing Jesus? Think about that. Verse 17, and whatever you do, whatever you do, or whatever you say, let it be as a representative of the Lord Jesus, all the while giving thanks through him. To God the Father. Now Jesus continues on here. In John chapter 15 verse 8. He says. My true disciples. Those who are connected to me. And they're connected to each other. These are true disciples. True followers. They're well connected. Jesus says my true disciples. Produce much fruit. And I think within us all. We want to be fruitful. We want to all produce 
much fruit. We don't want to see ourselves in a spiritual sense as barren. My true disciples produce much fruit. This brings great glory. And that word glory, you can understand, just it brings honor. So he's talking about this brings great glory. It brings great honor to my father. When you and I are fruitful or successful and doing what he's created us to do, it brings honor and glory to almighty God. When we are united and connected together and we're connected to the divine and we're being very fruitful, it just brings so much honor to our Father God. Are we connected, you know, to Jesus? Are, are we connected to other branches? This here is a, a puzzle of the fall of the year. All these beautiful, colorful leaves on the trees and there's a, a valley and there's some mist coming up from the valley and there's a, a river with rocks in it and there's some kind of a critter over there. I didn't see him before. I might be a black bear or something or another. Now, I'm going to pour this out so you can see the beautiful picture, a big one. Don't do it. You don't want to see a beautiful picture? You, you wouldn't actually see it, would you? Because they're not connected. It's just like having all these components in a box. But if you saw the big, beautiful picture, and maybe you put a frame around, and it would, it would honor the photographer who took the picture if you could see the whole thing. But when they're disconnected... So what? When you and I are connected and when we are united together and with the vine, there's the miraculous power of Almighty God. You will be amazed as you study your Bible and you see how unity, you, you, you see that uniting of us together like branches all connected together and then connected to the, the vine, how much fruit they can produce and how you and I access the miraculous power of Almighty God when we're connected with Him and we're connected with each other. There is amazing power. And we only have time to even just talk about the basic introduction of this this weekend. Anyhow. Coming together is a beginning. Keeping our Staying together, that's progress. But working together is true success. It's true fruitfulness. It's accessing the life sap of the Holy Spirit that flows from the vine to us and brings life. There's power released to do all kinds of miraculous things. In a uh, comic strip, Snoopy, y'all familiar with Snoopy? In this comic strip, Snoopy, uh, he, he typed, I don't know if you knew he could type, but he typed the IRS a letter. And he said, please cancel my subscription and take my name off your mailing list. Now, some of you are going to try to do the same thing, I suppose, you know. But bills for the IRS are, are soon due, or wait a minute, they're past due. This past week you needed to get to the mail really quick. And I think my wife scooted down there when the, the uh, mail box, I mean, the, uh, wasn't nobody there, was it? Was it closed? And, Yeah, but but she got it postmarked on time, right? Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> Something we have to deal with every year, you know. But think about this for a moment. Bills come and we pay them, you know, to enjoy the benefits of our nation, the roads and the parks and whatever we we have to pay. Those bills, and I don't know about you, but how many of you get an electric bill? 
Well, what do the rest of you guys do? You get an electric bill, you get a gas bill, you get a water bill, a fuel bill, a mortgage bill, a car payment, insurance bills, credit card bills, and on and on and on and on and on. We can spend the rest of the day talking about all those bills. And Romans chapter 13 verse 8 says something you may not be happy about. It says pay all your debts. Is anything wrong with that? You know, be careful not to agree, you know, to any debts that you don't have the power to pay. Because the Bible says, pay all your debts. Uh, Romans 13, 7 says, give to everyone what you owe them. Where to give to the butcher and the baker and the Cadillac maker. I mean, no, candlestick maker, right? That's the way that thing goes. Let me read it again. Romans 13, 7, it says, Give to everyone what you owe them. Pay your taxes and government fees to those who collect them and give respect, give honor, uh, you know, value and and honor to those who are in authority. (laughs) To all to whom it is due. Don't be disrespectful. Don't. Don't dishonor them. Listen to what Matthew chapter 7 verse 12 says. It says, always do for other people. What's that word? Everything. Now what percentage would that be? Always do for other people everything, 100%, everything you want them to do for you. Now, if a lot of people owed you money... Would you want them to pay you? Well, then let's pay people that we owe money to. That's what he's telling us to do here. Always do for other people everything you want them to do for you. And then Romans chapter 13, verse 7, we already read it, but it says pay all your debts. It would be more accurate to say pay off all your debts. But it says pay all your debts except, oh, here's an exception. Oh, right, that's what I'm talking about. Pay all your debts except the debt of love for others. Main reason you, you can't pay it off is because the price is too high and you don't have enough provided to you to pay that all off, you see. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 17, it says, Do not nurse hatred in your heart for any of your relatives. Do not nurse hatred in your heart for any of your relatives. Verse 18, never seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. The Lord says, love them. Don't have a grudge. Don't be upset. You just love them. That's what... God tells us to do. And in Matthew chapter 22, verse 36, it says, Teacher, here's a guy talking to Jesus. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, Well, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And in another gospel, it says, and with all your strength. And then verse 38 says, this is the first and the greatest commandment. And a second commandment is equally as important, and that's to love your neighbors as yourself. Because, see, this love, it unites us. And there's power when we are united. And the key to accessing the miraculous power of Almighty God is to be united by loving one another. That's the Horizontal to love my neighbor as myself. That accesses God's miraculous power. You're united with his love. Verse 40, Jesus, uh, they were talking about this. This is the first and the greatest commandment. Verse 40 says, all the other commandments, all, all the other commandments, all of them, all the other commandments and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commands. Romans chapter 13, verse 8, it says, Pay all your debts except the debt of love for others. You can never finish paying that. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill 
all the requirements of God's law. Now, someone had said that in the Old Testament, there are 538 sins to commit and 613 laws to break. Now, I didn't go and count all of them up, but you are welcome to do so and see if that's accurate or not. But what the thing we're learning here is when we're motivated, you know, by love, we're going to get the rest of the commandments right. If, if we love the Lord of all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, then we love our neighbors ourselves. All those laws that we can break, they ain't going to be broken. If we'll just do these two things, love God with all, and then love our neighbors ourselves, we're going to get all the other commands right. It's just going to happen with love. Now, when you see someone that you owe money to, what do you usually think about? When you see that person, what do you usually think about? Hide. Cross the street, duck down in the car. Mainly because what you're thinking is, I owe them money. I owe them money. Somebody who you owe money to, you cannot possibly see them without going, I owe them money. That just happens, you know. In the same way, everyone we meet, everyone we meet every day of our lives, we should think, I owe them love. I owe them love. I owe them love. I, I, I owe them love. Because that's what the Bible says. We owe them love. Everybody on this planet, we owe them love. Now, Jesus, he paid our, our sin debt. You know, when we were flat broke, he paid our sin debt. And now our, our lives overflow with this experience of being loved by Almighty God. And, and that love should overflow from the vine to the branches and it should flow from us to other branches and other people anywhere and everywhere. This love debt that Jesus paid for, he paid for us all. And the wonderfulness of receiving that should flow from us to everybody else. And we should all be connected like those spokes are and and like all the links of that chain are. And we should all be connected because the miraculous power is genuinely released when we are united. So many places in the Bible, it, it tells us this. Romans chapter 13, verse 8. In the NIV, it says, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. You are in debt to love other people. You owe the debt. You owe everybody that comes across your path, even if you think they don't deserve it. The Bible says the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor. And it didn't say if they were perfect or if they pulled from the same team that you did. It didn't. It just says love your neighbor. That's the second. First is to love the Lord. You know. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. You've done it. You've fulfilled the law. When you love God and you love your neighbor, you've fulfilled the law. That's what he's telling us. And, and love is, is living, it's active obedience to Almighty God. And the whole law of Almighty God, you fulfill it when you love God and you love your neighbor as yourself. Wow, it's so powerful. And listen to what it says in John chapter 13, verse 34. It says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Jesus says, love each other. Oh, that don't sound so new. Love each other. And then Jesus says, just as I've loved you, you should love each other. Now, Jesus laid down his life for you and me. And he's telling us to lay down our life or our life ambitions and our goals in order to love other people. Put other people first, he's saying. Wow. And he says in verse 35, your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. Now there's a lady by the name of Opal Wetset, a Christian writer, and she was riding on a Greyhound bus one night between Flagstaff and Arizona to Albuquerque, New Mexico. 
And it was a cold February night, and the bus stopped in a little Native American community. And a young Native American, an Indian, and I'm part Indian, you know, an Indian teenager got on the bus and sat down behind her. And maybe it was the warmth of the bus or the rocking motion, but she could tell that by his breathing that he had soon fallen asleep. Sometime later, he awakened and he ran down the aisle to ask about a certain stop where he was supposed to get off. And the driver snapped back and said, we passed that stop a long time ago. Why didn't you get off then? And the boy went back to his seat. She could tell he was anxious and upset. And immediately he he walked back to the driver and he said, will you stop the bus and and let me get off and walk back to where I was supposed to get off? And the bus driver said, no, no, it's too cold and it's too far and you'd freeze to death. You've got to ride the bus all the way into Albuquerque and then catch another bus back to your stop. And the Indian went and he sat down in his seat behind Opal. And she could tell he was so upset. So she turned around to this young man that she had never met before. And she said, are you afraid? Is there anything I can do to help? And he said, I I don't know what to do. I've I've never been to Albuquerque. And and besides, I don't have any money. And and, and they're going to make me pay again. and, And I don't know what to do. And she said, well, listen, don't worry. You just stick with me, and when we get to Albuquerque, I'll make sure you get on the right bus. And if they want to charge you, which they shouldn't do, I'll buy your ticket. And then Opal went up, and she talked to the bus driver. They're still driving down the road, and explained the whole situation. And she said, can you make sure that the next bus he gets on, that they don't charge him to take him back to where he, he needs to go. And the bus driver finally agreed because of her love and persuasion. Opal went back and she sat down and she turned to the Indian behind her and said, it's all taken care of. Don't you worry. Everything's going to be okay. For 10 minutes, there was total silence. And then Opal felt a tap on her shoulder. And she turned around And that young man was leaning forward and he asked her this question. He said, ma'am, are you a Christian? Has anybody ever asked you, ma'am, sir, are you a Christian? That was a real question. Just think about it for a moment. Has your faith been obvious enough by your actions that someone was curious to ask, Sir, ma'am, are are you a Christian? We all agree that we, we ought to love God. I think we all agree on that. And we all agree that we ought to love one another. I think we all agree on that. And we all agree that we ought to love our neighbor as ourselves. Okay, so we all agree. But can anyone tell that you're a Christian? Do they ever say, ma'am, sir, are you a Christian because of our actions? Think about it. That love that connects us with the other branches and our, connects us to Jesus and allows that miraculous power to flow. Can people see that miraculous power that is inspired through love? Do they see that? And I'd like to ask you this question. This is just our introduction and we're going to have to go but I'd like to ask you that question again and you be able to say because you become conscious of it and, and conscious to, to love out loud that somebody would say I bet you're a Christian aren't you?
Does, does our love and our action captivate people to make them ask such a question? Think about it. Bow your heads with me and let's pray. And my wife would join me up here for just a moment. I'd appreciate it. First thing I'd like to do quickly is just to reaffirm our faith in Christ. If you know him in a personal way and you're connected with the vine, you're a branch. If you're connected to the vine who is Jesus, let's just reaffirm our faith and let's declare what is the truth. If, if you're not sure or because of circumstances in your life, you've kind of been disconnected. Well, let's just ask God to work a miracle in our lives and to reconnect us, to graft us back in, to change our heart and change our lives and welcome Christ as your Savior and receive his pardon and his forgiveness and let him write your name in the book of life and give you the promise and the hope of heaven one day. Would you pray with me? All those who are in this building and all those who are joining us online, would you pray? And I challenge you to, to pray this out loud. Would you pray? Dear Heavenly Father. Dear Heavenly Father. I believe that you love me. I believe that you love me. And that's why you sent your son Jesus. And that's why you sent your son Jesus. And I believe he gave his life for me. I believe he gave his life for me. He shed his blood. He shed his blood. To wash all my sins away. To wash all my sins away. I believe that he rose from the dead. I believe that he rose from the dead. And he is alive. And he is alive. And he's knocking at the door of my heart. And he's knocking at the door of my heart. And I open wide that door. And I open wide that door. And I welcome Jesus into my life. And I welcome Jesus into my life. As my Savior. As my Savior. As my Lord. As my Lord. And as my soon coming King. And as my soon coming King. And as my friend. And as my friend. I'm sorry for my sinful ways. I'm sorry for my sinful ways. I choose this day. I choose this day. To live a life that honors you. To live a life that honors you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 